what's going on? Welcome to the People Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Be part of the show, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you at Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Yannick Hansen moments away here on the People Show. We'll talk to Marcus Fitzgerald in the second half of the show. NBA Finals have wrapped up. We got a champion. Denver Nuggets are reigning supreme. Crush some Nuggets tonight in celebration of the Nuggets winning. Elon, did you have some nuggets last night? You're like, I didn't, chicken but... Chicken nuggies. We talked about the finals yesterday, and I, I can say I was pretty satisfied with how it ended up. Yeah, I, I enjoyed like the, the whole five games. Look, it, you want it to go six. You want it to, to be this epic finale. Uh, it wasn't quite that. But through the five games, I, I thought well played, and I liked the throwback element to this series. 94-89 last night. Yeah, it was Again, a really entertaining game in the end. Everyone was missing shots, but yeah. defense, you know. Defense is glorious, baby. It's glorious. Kind of reminded me way back 2010 finals, game seven was Lakers-Celtics. Right. It was like a, the exact same. Brick no fest. one could make a shot. Really physical. The refs were letting him play. That was enjoyable. Like, let him play. And, and look, I know the Butler thing, and that was uh, an aberration of a otherwise uh, entertaining let him play game. Uh, so bad. How do they review that and still? It was one of those things. I know Sat and I get into this on the post game show when we're talking about review offside in the NHL. And Sat's thing is just like, let's just be done with this. It's over. We don't need to do this anymore. That one was very much like, if you're going to go to review, then you have to get the right call. And it was a huge call. He made all three free throws. Late They're... in the game. Oh. It's not even like the first quarter. It's could have decided the game. It's. If, if, that was definitely a stake in the claim for just get rid of review uh, in general because that was a, a rough one uh, there from the officials. But nevertheless, uh, one championship handed out. Will we get a second one tonight? Vegas Golden Knights, Florida Panthers. We'll touch on it with Yannick Hansen here in just a moment. I think this is over. This is over tonight. Five games in the NBA, five games in the NHL. Look, Florida have huffed and puffed, and they're not going to be able to knock the castle down. That is the Golden Knights. Just too many bodies out of it right now. Too many issues. Kachuk, who, look, if he doesn't play, I'll be floored if he doesn't play. It would really show the severity of that injury, but every expectation is Matthew Kachuk should play. Thing is, you're getting a modified version of it this is another like this is the toll of the playoffs players playing at this pace for this long with this level of intensity bodies start to give at some point and Kachuk I I just I'll just look at this and think there's not left in the tank for him and it embodies exactly what's happening for the Florida Panthers in general that they're just out of juice this late They've been burning hot, you know, the the intensity to try to even just get into the playoffs, the stress of that. And at this stage, it's just a wrap tonight. And tonight's going to be a coronation for the Vegas Golden Knights. 
Might be a low-scoring affair, but I think tonight is the night where uh, the Vegas Golden Knights get their first championship, and we're looking at a new reign in the Pacific Division and what that means for the Vancouver Canucks now having the Stanley Cup champions in their division when things wrap up tonight, if things wrap up tonight, I should say, but feel very confident that tonight we'll see the Vegas Golden Knights uh, be raising the Stanley Cup. Let's connect with Yannick Hansen, who's a presentation of Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Yannick, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, fantastic. Uh, another game tonight. Uh, I I feel like this is the end. It, it just feels like Florida. They they've they've pushed as far as they can, and I just don't know how much more they have left in the tank here. I, I'm a little bit worried we're going to see like a very sloppy, slow game, and Vegas just controls it all the way through tonight. Yeah, that would be kind of how uh, the first four have gone. Um, I mean, I hope for Vegas' sake too that they win tonight and not. Uh, uh, not in Game Six. That being said, if, if Florida can push it to Game Seven, I'll take it. But uh, I'd like to see Vegas win it at home too. There's there's just something about getting getting the cup in front of your own fans. So yeah, yeah I'm I'm rooting for it to be to be over tonight too. What's the mentality like? Like when you guys were up three, and when you know the cup's in the building, like does anything change for you personally? No, it didn't. Um, like I said, for us, it wasn't uh, it wasn't until Game Six, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and we had not had a whole lot of success in in Boston. That being said, it's a new game, uh, so you go out and and, and try to to make the most of it. Um, but I'd say that that it didn't even get a time to to cross our mind, minds because I think 10, 15 minutes into that game, we're down three or four goals. Mm-hmm. So it's like. Uh, it never got close enough to where you could kind of feel it or, or think, okay, this might be it. Um, and like sort of the same thing in, in game seven. Yeah. The, the cup was in the building, but, but it didn't really feel like it was right there. Cause like I said, uh, we, we weren't close to, to winning those two games. What's important. Like in the downtime between game four and, and now game five tonight, um, the, the important steps of to, to remain on task and, and not let your mind wander into, hey, we're finally going to accomplish the thing. Like, what are the important steps? Yeah, there's a lot of white noise. Um, tune it out. All, all the media stuff. Uh, all these questions you're 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 giving to me now, they're getting them too. How would it be like to win? Uh, uh, what would it mean to so and so? And all of these things. Like, give them the the standard uh, answer and move on. Um, Focus on the task, um, like your your preparation. Uh, players like to be in that routine uh, of just kind of going through the motion, and then by the, by the t- time you look around, it, it's it's game day, and then you're actually playing. Um, you kind of want to get to that point uh, as fast as possible. Obviously, there's that whole rest and recovery in between, but like we, we want to be playing. Uh, that that's what's fun. That's what's exciting. So um, there there's definitely a lot of white noise uh, in between games. As we were just talking about Florida, just the, 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 the toll of this all, like the 
like how spent did you feel and and looking around the room after 2011 just just seeing like the the carnage of it all and just reflecting back on two months like that that toll can you take us through just how long it takes to recover and 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 just what this stretch is like here at the end of a series yeah it depends some don't recover yeah Uh, it depends on on the wear and tear obviously um but there's no question you you look at especially florida we haven't heard a lot coming out of vegas but but florida have a bunch of guys uh missing skates now uh uh, missing part of games as well so as you know they're they're heavily banged up um, and florida is not as deep um where they can just next man up mentality you know that there there is there's no ma- next man up when montour goes down when uh, kudas goes down when kachuk is missing time um the, the, those are your guys um so yeah it, it's uh it's an uphill battle for sure. Um, you're outgunned when you start the series, and then you start getting banged up as well. So it's uh, it, it's a very tall task. How does it change when you know the other side is all banged up? Do you start targeting certain uh, players and, and, and finishing checks in a certain manner? There's no question, but it's not like you're letting up anyways. Yeah. Um, you, you might go out of your way a little bit more in order to – Run a guy, fall down with them, bang them up a little bit. Uh, see, see how hurt they are, where they are. Can we, can we draw them out? Uh, kind of thing. You, you're, you're using everything you can to your disposal. Um, that being said, you obviously don't want to cross a line and take penalties. Um, but, but like I said, hitting is allowed. And if you know uh, somebody's got a bum shoulder, well, you're gonna bump in every single time. So, what's the story of the series that that you look at and? Whether it's by team construction, how other teams are going to look at this, and or a player emerging, like what do you will stand out if if it ends tonight? Um, what do you stands out so far through four games? Vegas was that much better. Um, like it, in theory, it should have been over now. Uh, Florida got lucky, squeaking out that win. Um, they they really had no business uh, doing. Um, but it is like Vegas is a legit. I should be not shouldn't say that in case Florida comes comes back. Um, but but there's only one reason Florida is where they are, and that is Bobrovsky played his mind out in in those uh, three series, and and that is the only reason they are where they are. Yeah, they have some good pieces and scored some clutch goals here and there, but but the, the, there's one player, and that's the only reason they are where they are. Where Vegas, it's been right from the beginning. They they were. I wouldn't say they were cup favorite uh, game one of the regular season, but they were definitely one of the teams you're looking at in, in the West that could go a long ways. When they played Edmonton, we were talking as well uh, on the shows after some of these games, and we said this could very well be uh, the Stanley Cup um, winner we're seeing in this series, and it is where it is now. So they've had that uh, favorites over them, if you will, and they've carried it, and, and they've looked the part as well. So last year when Colorado won, and you know they're they're so prolific last year off of scoring off transition opportunities off the rush, and it felt like okay this is what the NHL is going to be. And it, look, it's not to say Vegas isn't good at that sort of stuff because they because they are, but it feels like they do it a bit differently. It's not as much raw speed coming at you, right? You have a Mark Stone doing it, and and they have all these big bodies, but it does look different. Do you think this is like? a bit of a change of, of what we're looking at, that this style is going to be different than what we thought a year ago of how the evolution of the NHL is going to look? Um, I don't know. It, it's always hard. It's hard to copy teams, because you want to copy Colorado, or there's only one Nathan McKinnon and, and mm-hmm. Kyle McCarr kind of thing. So it's, it's hard to uh, to imitate that, where, where 
Vegas is is built a little bit more in in tune. So what? Okay, this is what we can do. That being said, when Vegas was uh, in the playoff last year, we were still looking at them as, as kind of a potential team. Again, they had Eichel wasn't playing a, a full tilt and stuff like that. They were banged up last year quite a bit as well. Um, so you would have liked to have seen what they could do against a, a very very good Colorado team. Um, that being said, like Colorado had some. Uh, something that played in their advantage. They they had a very deep team where you win the cup, and, and now all these players that that are playing above their uh, their salary, if you will, that they they went elsewhere, and now you you're missing that depth. Um, where it, it looks like Vegas isn't in the same uh, position, if you will. Um, their their guys are locked up, signed up for for longer term, um, and again they've they've seemed to find a way to build around the core and not uh, not subtract like we saw Colorado losing uh, two or three guys we saw the same thing in Tampa lo- losing two or three guys every single time they they, they won um, so so again the, the whole thing about imitating I don't think it's as evident anymore where back in the days or I say back in the days five ten years ago if it was a physical team oh now we got to get physical mm-hmm. everybody gets physical if it was a really small skill now we got to get smaller and skilled guys to the draft I, I don't think it's the same thing anymore it's a little bit more fluent if you will and, and I don't think maybe teams try to copy as much as they did in the past if you will is that because that there's just so much more talent in the league too now look there's there's more teams but it does feel like there's more variety of players to choose from rather than saying, hey, this is the style that's working. Let's go target that. I don't think you can change quick enough anymore. It's just not in the books that uh, you have what you have. And, and if if the GM has a philosophy, is this is how I want my team to, to play, then, then you start building that way. And it takes years to build it. Um, and then you're kind of married to it. Um, so so it, it's very hard to change your whole complexity because the players you have are the players you have and you got to play to their strength so if, if you have a, a bunch of skilled players well then we're playing a skilled game we're, we're not dumping changing and and trying to grind out a, a game so it's uh, again you need a lot of different pieces in order to win there's no question about that but it's not like you're saying this is a one club fits fits all kind of thing so it's I'd say it's a lot more fluent than, than it's been in the past. If it ends tonight, uh, do you have a favorite for the Colin Smythe? Because it's, it's kind of gone into a, an interesting conversation that Jonathan Marshall shows who's had a fantastic uh, finals here, that he's kind of looking as the favorite for the Colin Smythe. I, I would still look at Jack Eichel. He's been phenomenal throughout it. He's got five points, even though he's missed some time here in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, who stands out for you if it ends tonight? Yeah, there, there's probably, I'd say, three or four guys. It could be in Vegas. You could also argue uh, Aiden Hill uh, in mm-hmm. that mix as well. Um, uh, William Carlson has, has done a, a tremendous job uh, playing against very, very tough uh, oppositions and come out of top, uh, scoring a bunch of key goals as well. So there is uh, there is no clear cut in Vegas where they Florida wins. Well, it's pretty pretty easy to pick the guy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see for sure. But that again, it's like that. Yeah, it, it's a nice token, a feather in the cap, if you will. But it, it's kind of like a, it's a secondhand trophy, the, the way it get handed out because of, uh, yeah, you just get it. Nobody really wants it. They drive right over to the bench and hand it off, and then they wait for the real thing, kind of thing. 
Um, so it's uh, it's neat, and again, it, it's one of those things you're picking somebody. Um, sometimes it's one of those where you maybe maybe you pick somebody that isn't on the winning team. Uh, who, who knows? Uh, you mentioned William Carlson, and I'm glad you brought him up because I, I feel like he's got the most thankless task kind of on this team because it's it's full of superstars, Eichel, Petrangelo, and you know he's been such a pivotal part of. A, since day one, he you know, puts up 40 goals. But he, he plays that shutdown center role, and, and it, it's hard to find guys that are really better at him at that role. Yeah, and again, that, that's why that team is so deep. Um, you're not relying on uh, on top guys going going head-to-head. No, we, we have somebody deeper down the lineup that can take that task and, and still produce. Um, so, like I said, they're, they're built uh, – they're built extremely well, Vegas, and, and and I wouldn't say they're they're rolling through or over uh, teams, but it seems like no matter who they they match up with, you're like okay, you look at the paper, uh, Vegas is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Again, you got to play the games, um, but but they also tend to rise to the occasion. Um, all of these guys, and they don't need to do it every single time in every single series. I think it was the first six, seven, eight playoff games. Uh, Martin Show did, did, didn't didn't have a, a goal, and now he's. Uh, He's leading the the playoff in goals, so it's it's like they they're not relying on on one guy, two guys, one line, two lines. They it's, it's by committee. It's it's a very deep team, uh, right from uh, their 60s, 12 forwards, um, and again you see their goalies. It's it's just next man up mentality that we're kind of talking about on the player side of things. But Vegas have find a way to do that between the pipes as well, which is uh, kind of unheard of. Yeah, we're getting a question here from a listener. It says, uh, "Does Vegas make the finals if they play the same like the same route that the Panthers had to play, and having to go through you know Boston and Toronto and Carolina and, and the physical toll that took?" Now, it's 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 hard to answer that because Vegas is in the West and and they're in the East. But just in general, like we came into these playoffs just thinking, "Hey, the East is going to be so tough because how quality the team is, or how the how quality the teams are in the Eastern Conference." Do you think that played a role in, in why Florida's kind of out of it at this stage? Uh, I'd say I don't think Florida goes through uh, Edmonton either. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only thing I think is is when you look at that, uh, the only team I wouldn't pick Vegas as a favorite would be against Boston. And that's obviously because of the regular season they had. But but Vegas is matching up much better against Boston than Florida did. Again, Florida got lucky. Bob Robsky uh, came in and, and he was phenomenal. Got their timely goals and, and, and never looked back. Um so when you say that this grind Florida was Florida swept the, the conference final, played five games against Toronto that wasn't that physical. It's not like they had that tough of a road outside of Boston. Um, so, so again, it's uh, it's always this tuck and pull on who's got an easier road and, mm-hmm. and which teams and all these things. They're they're both there. They both they both earned their ways to get there. Um, through, through different uh, skill sets, if you will, um, but they're there, give them credit, and, and now they're now they're duking it out. Well, is, is that the hallmark then for Vegas? Because you kind of mentioned that they, they, they can play different styles as much as we're talking about, hey, whatever you're good at, what you're good at, just, just do it to the maximum, but they can play a different style of game no matter their opponent. Yeah, they, they do. Like they, they played a very physical, uh, they can play a very physical game that fourth, third line kind of matchup. They have some big guys, even some of the lines we were talking about, they're, they're not getting pushed around. Um, they can play the skilled side of the game as well. They're, they're a fast team, um, and their Ds can match up just about any way you will. Um, they have some phenomenal skating Ds. 
uh, but they also have the physicality that if there are some big guys that are leaning on you, it, it, it's not a big deal because we can match that as well. And that is one of those things when you're when you're building a team, you're not. We kind of hear this at Toronto when they go into the um, the deadline. They're they're building their teams to beat Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. and that's all they worried about. And then they beat Tampa Bay, and now all of a sudden we're we're playing a different style afterwards, and we're 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 not uh, cohesion now because because you built your team to one specific way, and now you can't adjust. So you need to be able to play against a lot of different styles. Again, anytime you can force the opposing team to play to your strength, you're, you're obviously better off. Uh, not a lot of teams can do that. Sometimes you are on the back foot, you are forced to play their game, and that's when it's nice to be able to withstand. So first couple of games when Florida were really, when Florida were really running at Vegas, they, they weren't getting intimidated. They were like, okay, we, we can do that too. And we saw Colasar, we saw Carrier running through their guys as well and, and probably hurting them more than, than Florida did to Vegas. And all of a sudden, it's Vegas is, is realizing, okay, we, we maybe can't do that against these guys. And now we're switching. But again, Florida or Vegas is just, well, it doesn't really matter to us. Then we just go to another strength of us and, and we keep playing our game and, and they're getting the success the, that they're looking for. Um, so, so again, this thing where you're, you're trying to, to emulate something, it, it's very hard to do because, again, you've got to be able to match up against teams that have different strengths. And it's very hard to match up against both a Boston team and a Conor McDavid-Dreisaitl combo. Like, like it's two completely different things you need. Um, but, again, it's, it's nice to be able to do both. But it requires um, a little bit of different skill sets, if you will. So, again, you, you need... You need the depth, you need the different players, different skill sets uh, that can do these things in order to be successful on a consistent basis. Uh, Yannick, uh, you're fantastic as always. Uh, we appreciate it. Next time we talk, uh, we'll be next week and we'll have a Stanley Cup champion, even though uh kind of kind of feels like it'll end tonight, but appreciate it as always. Okay, take care and enjoy tonight. Absolutely. It's uh, Yannick Hansen who joins us every Tuesday here on The People's Show. Again, a presentation of Magnuson Auto Group. Uh, here on the People's Show, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Uh, interesting stuff there from Yannick. And, and yeah, Vegas, hey, whichever way you want it, they have delivered throughout these playoffs. And and tonight, again, up 3-1, wounded opponent. And, and not the wounded opponent that, you know, hey, we're going to get their best one. They're, they're, they're walking wounded and coming into Game 5 into Vegas, uh, all beat up and bruised. Uh, how will they perform tonight? And it, it, it might go out with the whimper tonight. Yeah, it'll be the college effort, but uh, I, I feel like tonight we'll see the the cup hoisted. Cup is in the building, uh, and it could be landing with the Vegas Golden Knights this evening. And and look, it, it, it's a big step then for you know your your Mark Stones, but also we've we've touched on a lot of, of Jack Eichel and this is what's kind of fascinating here in this division uh, Eichel lands in the division with Connor McDavid and he's to it and get to the cup final before Connor McDavid and then hey what does this mean for what Elias Pettersson and, and this path moving forward between these three guys here the three marquee centers in this division, not taking anything from Anze Kopitar, but he's uh, a little bit older. And then we'll throw Leon Dreisaitl in here as well. Uh, the, the four marquee centers in this division. And this is a 
tough center group. And now Eichel's going to be reigning supreme because he's the one with the championship. That's what's at stake here for uh, a, a local view of it and, and a local lens on it. If, if we're building the center hierarchy, hey, Jack Eichel's the one with the championship. It's a huge feather in his cap and for the Vegas Golden Knights if they are to raise it. Again, you'll hear it tonight here on Sportsnet 650 after Canuck Central puck drops at 5 o'clock in Las Vegas. A chance to win it on home ice. It's it's tough winning in five, right? It, it's Like last night, it was kind of cool to watch Denver celebrate in their own barn. But usually, it's like, you know, game six is when things kind of wrap up. It, it's, it'd be fast if it ends tonight. Dick, I'm intrigued not to get ahead of ourselves to see if they win tonight, what it's going to be the scene in Vegas afterward. Well, because we remember uh, Washington. Ovi and everyone partying in Vegas. This is home cooking. If yeah, you win, exactly. If, if you win, uh, the the TikToks and the Snapchats are going to be going wild in Vegas if they uh, end up closing it out tonight. But hey, they got to do it first. And as much as I'm feeling confident about that, it wraps up tonight. Uh, that's why we play the game. That's why they do it tonight, five o'clock here on Sportsnet six fifty. That's one series that could come to a close. We'll talk about one that did come to a close on the other side. Marcus Fitzgerald from Basketball Central will join us here. Uh, you can hear him tomorrow on uh, 650 uh, after Canucks Central. Uh, but we'll touch on all of it with Marcus on the other side here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Hey, welcome back to The People's Show, second half of the show, coming to you live from the Kintech studio, keeping part of the show, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, we'll connect with Marcus Fitzgerald in just a moment, Basketball Central, tomorrow night on Sportsnet 650, NBA Finals just wrapping up. Do a full breakdown uh, of it with Marcus. We'll have a lot more uh, coming tomorrow in his show on Basketball Central here on 650. Bit of a letdown, you know, gentleman sweep 4 1. Uh, Denver walking away with the NBA Finals. And just how chill was Nikola Jokic yesterday? <laughs> Even like after it was like, yeah, shake hands with all the Heat players, which was a great uh, moment uh, of, of sportsmanship there for Jokic. But even just on the podium, just casually grabbing it. I, I, like, did he leave the MVP trophy up there and, and go celebrate back in the locker room? Uh, couldn't have been more chill. Just like game over. It's like, yeah, I just I just happen to be ridiculously talented at basketball. I won, and now now let me go race some horses. <laughs> That's what Jokic's offseason plan is. Big equine guy. Let's get into it with Marcus Fitzgerald. What's going on, buddy? Life is good, Vic. How are you? Uh, fantastic. Uh, got to watch, uh, not really my Miami Heat, but I, I, I adopted them. Because uh, I'm pro grit and grind, and, and this team to me is like epitomizes that. So they lose, finals is over, but let's get into it. Uh, what to you is the, the, the thing that you'll remember from these finals? The thing that I will remember from these finals, and this is so funny, but you know, the game last night was such a glorious old school 1990s rock fight. And I loved it. It was chaotic. Yeah. Guys were guys were missing open looks. The Miami Heat knew coming into that game, Dick, that 
if we're going to win this game, we're going to have to drag these guys literally into the mud, and the Nuggets are just going to have to figure it out. Even the officials were like, okay, you know what, Miami's doing that, and we're, we're just not going to call anything. And they didn't at all until the very end. And we might talk about uh, the Jimmy Butler three-point foul that wasn't. But that's what I'm going to remember. It, it, like, it just took me back. It took me back to another time. It kind of reminded me of Lakers-Celtics 2010 Game 7 where it was low scoring and it's like, you know what, one or two plays is going to decide this ball game. And interestingly enough, as, as great as Jokic was the entire series, as fine as Jamal Murray was last night, he kind of had, I guess, I guess an off night. And if you faded Jamal Murray assists, you were victorious like I was. So congratulations. But the thing that really sticks out at the end, the guys who are making the plays, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Bruce Brown, two guys that the Nuggets signed last offseason. And when that happened, Vic, I thought to myself, oh, you know what? Denver's going to be pretty good because they got those two guys now to do the dirty work. So lots of things stuck out. But at the end of the day and at the end of the night, it was those two guys in KCP and Bruce Brown that did all the little things in a rock fight, muddy, dirty, messy game to win. That sticks out to me. Yeah, I, honestly, like I, I really enjoyed this series because it wasn't the traditional, hey, let's just set a quick screen and jack up a three. It was, to what you said, like, yeah, a rock fight, and both teams embraced it. Like, both teams didn't try to make the series something it wasn't. Oh, for sure, yeah. No, I, I think, you know, one of the things that stands out about both of these teams is both teams were kind of like over each other in a way like the nuggets when you watch them during this playoff run they were all in mm -hmm. like all the time like like it didn't matter who was on the floor michael porter jr couldn't hit water from a boat he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn didn't matter when he was on the bench and bruce brown was was you know putting up some numbers in game uh four i think it was uh, that he played really well in miami like MPJ was into it. He was rooting for the guy's success in Miami. Yeah. That just embodies their entire culture. So you had two teams who knew exactly who they were, who had a bunch of guys who knew their roles. And when you put that together on one floor, you can have an ugly rock fight and it can still be awesome at the same time, because there was no animosity. There doesn't appear to be any jealousy within the hierarchy for either of these teams. And I think that's what made this matchup so special because of course it wasn't the Lakers and the Celtics it wasn't overly sexy but when you broke it down and you looked at these two teams you realized you know what we're not so different you and I but like when you know the Heat and the Nuggets they weren't that different and, and it really stood out over the course of a five-game series yeah and, and look I, I know there's a very obvious talent gap between Denver and Miami and yet the thing I kept talking the reason I kind of adopt the Heat here is you know, here we are in sports in 2023, and it's like, hey, just just find the talent. Doesn't care how you compete. But these two teams like epitomize everything that you said of just, hey, we are going to go after it, and if you can't perform, the next guy is is going to be able to do it, and we'll just change how we play. Well, for sure, and even even the guy who we will now call the best player in the world for the next three or four months was was selected 41st overall while a Taco Bell commercial was <laughs> was going on, and then you have Jamal Murray who tore his ACL two years ago and missed two years and probably had an avalanche of doubts as to whether or not uh, he could be the same player again. Michael Porter Jr. was a first-round pick, but he had back problems and there was rumblings that he wasn't a good kid and he was a bad teammate, missed and that. Like, even on the Denver side of things where, yes, clearly they had more talent, but they also have a hierarchy of players who, you know, they didn't get all that love right away. Even Aaron Gordon is a former fourth overall pick. He had to go to Orlando 
and he was miscast as, as the guy. He kind of had to check his ego, come into Denver, and be the dirty work guy and the instigator. And, and he performed so, so well in that role. So as good as Denver is and as much more talented as Denver was than Miami, even their top guys, they had to go through their own stuff as well. And I think that's another factor that really made this Denver team unique. So let's talk about Jokic because, A, just how casual he was about winning. It, it, it almost just felt like, all right, I did this, now on to the next thing, and apparently it's a horse race on Sunday for him. Um, <laughs> but just in general, like where does this push him? Because I'm just trying to think here recently, you know, MVPs that have won a chip, Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Durant, right? So I, I don't know if he gets pushed into the Steph Curry range, but now is, is, is as far as the history of the league, like this is a two-time MVP who's got a championship now, is this Giannis range? Is he pushed past to Dirk Nowitzki? And it's it's interesting to me because, like, with some of those guys, like Dirk in particular and KD, it's easy to picture like what their version of success looks like, right? If I have to yeah. picture Dirk, it's that knee high fadeaway jumper. You know, KD is easy money sniper, right? He, he he can do it all, and and it's so fluid at the three point line. It feels like Jokic doesn't have that like MJ at the elbow type signature, or at least it's 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 the passing, but that's not necessarily something that's sexy. Yeah, I, I think with Jokic, and this might sound weird, but I, I think Jokic is maybe the most relatable superstar mm-hmm. uh, that we've ever seen because Jokic is, for the most part, uh, built like you and I. Uh, all due respect to you and all due respect to my own Adonis of a body, but Jokic is kind of built like you and I. Um, we heard him at the press conference last night. What we usually want, Dick, from our superstars, and you know this as well as I do, we want you know the MJs and the Tom Brady's of the world to say to the opponent, when you step into my world, when you're on the court with me or you're on the field with me, you're on the diamond, I'm going to kill you. Like That's what we want from our superstars. Jokic appears to be the opposite of that, where – He's going to show up. The ideal game for him would be 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 16 assists, and and they win. And after the game, he'll say, oh, gee, I have to go to the parade? I don't want to go to the parade. I want to go home to my horses. No superstar to me has, has, has been like that. I think that's what makes Jokic stand out. Now, in terms of stacking him up with, with all-time greats, I think he's on par uh, with the Giannis. I think he's actually, and this is probably controversial, but I think he is kind of on par with a Kevin Durant at this point. I don't think he is Steph Curry because uh, he doesn't have that level of true superstardom mm-hmm. where if he walks into a room, people are going to be kicking the door down to see him or take pictures with him. I don't think he's reached that stratosphere, and that's fine because very few do. But I think in terms of just all-time greatness – and also enjoying watching the guy play when you see how unselfish he is. I actually had a moment, Dick, where it's like, you know what? I want to go to the park, and I wish somebody was there because I want to throw cross-court passes like Jokic does. He just has a very unique skill set. There's a lot of things that set him apart. But is he in that stratosphere with Steph and LeBron? Probably not. But I bet he's right there right now uh, with Giannis and KD. I, I, I don't think that's an unfair assessment. Yeah, he's got that you know Tim Duncan-level humbleness to him, I, I suppose, in a way. Uh, also a two-time MVP and – uh, NBA champion, but like, okay, when you say things like KD and Dirk, like we're talking about top twenty players here, and what's exciting about this is it's a top twenty player that's 
age 28, and you said, hey, we'll talk about him being as the best player in the world for the next couple of months. This could go on for a couple of years, and, and we might be seeing a four or five-year stretch. So, like, what's next for Denver? Well, I, I think what's next for Denver is uh, they definitely have another ring in their future. Do, do I think that they'll be a Golden State-level uh, dynasty where they're going to appear in, in four of the next five finals? Probably not. But when you factor in the incoming collective bargaining agreement, the new CBA, where the NBA has basically decided, hey, you can't build these super teams anymore where you have a third guy and that third guy is a superstar. You better have that duo set in stone and ready to go. And that's what the Nuggets have. And and also that's that's one of the factors of this Nuggets championship run that makes it uh, frankly, a good story for the NBA because Jokic and Murray have been together now for seven, eight years. Uh, you know, it, it's homegrown. It, it's developed talent. It's not like they collected assets and then pushed all the chips to the table for some other established superstar who was disgruntled and was looking for another situation. Jokic and Murray are two guys who have been through the wars together. Uh, they've taken their lumps together. They've collected their scar tissue together. Mike Malone, the head coach, has been there for eight years as well and has grown with them. It's, it's an exercise, Vic, in patience uh, that the Denver Nuggets were able to capitalize on. Hell, even Michael Porter Jr., who I mentioned, back problems. Was he a, a good kid, a bad kid? There were a lot of questions as talented as he was. They were patient with him as well. And then you were able to add around the margins, Aaron Gordon. So while I don't think they're going to be this you know, dynasty over the next five years because I think we're always too quick to anoint a franchise, I do think there is at least one more trip to the finals in them, and there might even be another ring in that that, uh, universe as well. Jamal Murray, too. Um, Now, we're not talking about historical context yet. Uh, Certainly accomplishments will need to stack up a bit more. But I I do like the idea that, you know, like there's no award for, hey, most clutch player in the league right now and, and, hey, last three minutes of the game, who do you want having the ball? But if you're making a list of players, he's in that group now. Yeah, I, I would I would put him in that group. I, I think I think Jamal kind of entered another stratosphere. And again, and not to go full Stephen A Colin Coward on you. I, I don't think Jamal is a super duper star just mm-hmm. because again, like I said, he's not quite on that echelon. But he has grown his game to the point where he is now a point guard who can score where in, in years past, Jamal was known as, as, as a good scorer and, and he would have his outbursts and we saw what happened in the bubble and that's how we got the bubble Murray nickname and he kind of shed that label as well. But uh, one of the great things about Jamal's game now is that he has trust not only in Jokic, which is easy to attain because uh, Jokic is, is, is a great, great player, but um, Jamal Murray is now on a list where he is one of four players all time to average 20 points and 10 assists in the NBA Finals, in a final series, it's pretty good company. It's Jamal, LeBron James, Michael, and it's Magic. That's it. That's the list. That's wow. pretty good. Uh, that's, that's, that's something that uh, no one will be able to take away from Jamal Murray. The fact that he has developed his game after tearing his ACL, when he had all those doubts about whether or not he could be the same player, and to do it on the biggest stage, in the finals and help your team win a championship and to be as, as humble and as gracious as Jamal Murray was after the game and all the media that he did. I was very impressed with the way that he handled himself and handled all of his business. He, he was, he was really, really great uh, on that side of it too. He's certainly reached another echelon. Um, is he the best Canadian basketball player right now? I don't know. That's up for debate, but 
the fact that this kid was able to come back from the injury that he sustained and was able to do that on the grandest stage, you just got to tip your cap because it was one hell of a playoff run for, for Jamal Murray, no doubt about that. Uh, talking to Marcus Fitzgerald, uh, Basketball Central tomorrow night here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, the Miami Heat, again, I, I really like this team. Uh, you mentioned, hey, new CBA machinations, but like, what is their path after this? They've made multiple final trips now. I, I don't know if they're the power in the East, but when you make multiple conference finals and you've made the final, a couple of finals, like, what's the next change that they get to make, and is there a change that pushes them up a level? I'm not sure there's a change that does it. I mean, they've got some decisions to make. Uh, they've got contracts for Caleb Martin uh, to figure out. Uh, Gabe Vincent is going to be now prohibitively uh, more expensive. They have to make a decision on Kyle Lowry. And I know Lowry was, was great last night, and he was. He certainly had his moments. Uh, but they're going to have to make a call uh, on that. I mean, at, at, at first glance, when you watch this Miami team, obviously your, your first inclination is going to be, well, they need another star. Well, they just need to go get Dame Lillard. They just need to go get Superstar X. But as I just said with the new CBA, obviously that's going to be difficult. And you have to have a package that's, that's big enough to offer, you know, the team that's unloading Superstar X to make that other team happy. And then if you do that, do you have enough to support you know, the incoming star? Uh, Miami is always going to be there. I, I think they've shown that, uh, and, and, we, and we joke about heat culture and what it actually means and, and the hashtags and all that stuff. But it's pretty clear that, what Miami does seems to work. It's also very clear that Jimmy Butler has become a literal avatar uh, for Heat culture and, and, and what it stands for. Um, they'll be around, Vic, but I'm just I'm not sure how much different this team is going to look when you factor in. Yeah, hey, great. They've got nine undrafted role players who helped this team to a finals. But guess what? Now that they've helped this team to a finals, suddenly things are going to get a little more expensive. So that's where it starts. And then after that, it's going to be on Pat Riley and company to get a little creative if they do wish to land a big star to try to land with uh, Bam and Jimmy and try to extend that window a little bit. So then who's the team that rises in the East to maybe face the Nuggets in, in the 2024 finals? Yes, I'm already asking you for a prediction, uh, but is it Giannis? Is it, are, are we going to get a Giannis-Jokic final? I, I, I would I would certainly really enjoy that, and you could argue that if Giannis didn't fall and hurt his back while taking a charge in the first round against Miami, maybe the Heat don't even go on this run. I, I would expect Milwaukee to come back strong next year. Uh, I would expect Philly to get a bit of a bump. Call it the Nick Nurse bump because Nick Nurse has proven to be uh, certainly a solid playoff coach, and maybe he's the guy to help push Joel Embiid over the top. But if I had to handicap it right now, Vic, I would say that uh, the team coming out of the East next season, not Miami, not Boston, not the Sixers. I have to go back to Giannis and Milwaukee because two years ago, I mean, hey, we just talked about Denver. They're going to be a dynasty. They're going to win another championship. We, we said literally the same things two years ago <laughs> when Giannis and the Bucks got it done as well. So I'll go Milwaukee for right now, but I've been famously wrong before. Uh you mentioned uh, Nick Nurse. Uh, the Raptors hire their new coach. Uh, any early thoughts on that one? Uh, I do have a few. Uh, one thing I do know about uh, Darko Royakovic in, in Toronto is this. He, he has an extensive resume, worked with the Serbian national team. He spent 10 years as an assistant, first in Oklahoma City and in Memphis with the Grizzlies. And before that, he was in the scouting department with the San Antonio Spurs from 2004 to 2011. There's one thing the Spurs did over that stretch of time. It's have a lot of success and develop players really well. One thing this Darko guy does apparently really well 
he develops talent. Now, the Raptors are an interesting team coming into the offseason because Pascal Siakam will have one more year in his contract. Uh, Fred Van Vliet might not be back next year. Gary Trent Jr., is he back? We don't know. Uh, but, you know, Scotty Barnes is obviously going to be the focus going forward. He is going to be the star. There is a bit of a sea change in Toronto right now. I just feel like this new coach is going to be the guy. Nick Nurse, that's not going to work when you're a bloodless tactician like he is. Nick Nurse is a playoff coach. Right now the Raptors need a guy that can, and I hate to say it, change the culture. They need that a little bit. They need a guy who can get the younger players led by Scotty Barnes to play connected five-on-five basketball and also develop young talent, which is apparently all this guy did in Memphis and in OKC. And there's there's plenty of cases, plenty of players in both those organizations that uh, Ryakovic has had, uh, you know, a very direct effect on Desmond Bain with Memphis is, is, is a prime example of that. So I really do think, at least for right now, like we'll, we'll find out in, in six to eight months, I'm sure, but it feels like for right now, the Raptors have the right guy for the right time as, as to where that franchise is. Uh, outside of the draft, uh, Victor, Victor Wembanyama is going to obviously take a lot of headlines of this offseason. But free agency, trades, like is there, is there a, a move that you're kind of hoping to see? Or like what's going to be the marquee move uh, this NBA offseason? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a tricky one because of uh, the CBA. Uh, James Harden sticks out to me. I, I don't know for sure if this Houston stuff is just a negotiating ploy. Uh, to get more money from the Sixers. And then obviously you have the, the Damian Lillard stuff where Dame has made it pretty clear that he doesn't really want to play with kids. So if the Blazers use the third overall pick on Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, what's Dame going to think about that? Is his time up in Portland? Those are the two big ones for me. Again, kind of aging guards who can still bring something to a contender. Does Dame move? And does James Harden say, screw it, I'm going to go back to Houston where I'm a local legend. I can't wait to see uh, what happens in those two situations. Fitzy, man, you're the best. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, what's on tap? Uh, we got uh, Kyle Irving from the Sporting News. We're going to recap uh, what we saw in the finals. And, yes, we'll get into the whole thing. Is Nikola Jokic a superstar? Is Jamal Murray a superstar? The good Stephen A. Colin Coward stuff, Vic. That's coming up <laughs> tomorrow night at 6 p.m. on Sportsnet 650. We're looking forward to it. It's Basketball Central uh, tomorrow night with Marcus Fitzgerald at Marcus Fitzy on Twitter if you're not following. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, buddy. Make sure you catch uh, Marcus tomorrow night here on Sportsnet 650. Appreciate him joining us today. Uh, can uh, Jokic, is he that superstar? Here's the thing. There's, like, when we talk about, like, best player and greatness, those are two different things for me, right? Best player is, hey, who's the most talented on the floor? And there's a real case that it's LeBron James, whoever played this game. But greatness is something a little bit different. Greatness is, hey, what sticks in your memory? How did you feel in the moments? And for a lot of people, myself included, Michael Jordan made me feel different than I do watching LeBron James. Superstar is gravitas. Superstar is how you walk into a building and, and how the, the tornado effect of the heads turning around. That's what superstardom is. And on the court, Jokic is a superstar. Off the court, maybe not as much. Being in the presence, especially for someone who's such a reluctant superstar, even yesterday, like the the champagne spray in the locker room was, was so subtle. It was just like, yeah, we did it. Big week for champagne spraying this week, actually, between Hadwin and Jokic yesterday. 
but it's it, it's all just so subtle and it it's different to attach yourself to the person rather than the player and the player is prodigiously talented. It's it's, a, it's so much fun to watch a guy with an ability actually paired with a vision, like a passing ability paired with a vision. Seen it to the tenth power, like the, the best version of a big man passer we may we may ever ever seen. And that trait is what springboarded Denver into building this team in the in the model that it is, and having the success that they're now having with it. But it's not a overly sexy trait. Not a lot of people are going to the 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 park and saying, hey, I'm going to test out some passes. But Steph Curry launches threes from the logo and, hey, kids are going to the park and, hey, I, I can be like Steph. It, it, it's hard to be good at passing. It's, it's not necessarily as cool unless you're Jason Williams and you're doing it flashy style. But this is fundamental basketball that's not that exciting. But when you do it at the best that he can do it, He's pushed the Denver Nuggets into a championship, and yeah, he is a superstar, but does it feel like he's a superstar? Probably not, and he's probably never going to get his due credit unless the championships just start stacking up for Jokic, but it's going to be interesting to see now uh, what the two powers are like in the league. Who's going to rise up because the Warriors are fading? The Spurs will maybe take some time with Wembenyama, who's look can be super exciting, but it's going to take some time to develop what that Western Conference starts to look like. Memphis, I don't ever feel will get there. Ja Morant, b- between all the the suspensions and everything, and not a big combo guard guy being your main threat to try to win a championship. It's fading really fast, and. Could be a, a, a rain here for the Denver Nuggets, but we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, Markets will have it all tomorrow again on Basketball Central. We'll make way for Canuck Central. Dan Retio, Satyar Shaw on the way. Will the cup be handed out this evening? You'll hear that on Sportsnet 650 later today. But first, Sat and Dan on the way here on the home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650.